All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three People on a Couch. Uh, I'm your host, Brian, Steve, Amanda. Today we have a very special guest, Jake Jabor. He's an improviser, teacher, a writer in Los Angeles. Most notably, he's the founder of We Improv. Um, he's taught workshops around the USA and around Europe. Uh, he also hosts his own podcast, The Meet. Uh, he taught improv on a blind to blind daters on a TV show. Is that, is that that's right? correct? We're yes. going to have to get into that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he was also a 2010 teach for America corps member and got his masters in education strategies from LMU. Uh, he also recently published, wrote and published a book, uh, training to be myself. Jake, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being welcome here. to the show. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. That's this is great. It's a couch. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it is. People, it's everything I was promised. Yeah, <laughs> we deliver here at Three People. Um, I want to hop into talking about uh, We Improv. When did you start it? Why did you start it? And can we just for the listeners who doesn't know what it is also? Uh, yeah. yeah what, what is improv? Yeah. Uh, no, what, we, is we? We uh, what is we? We more than one person. Uh, <laughs> is it uh, the formal we? Um, <laughs> We Improv is, uh, yeah, an improv school I started uh, to teach long-form improv comedy uh, in Los Angeles as a way to sort of like, um, there was a gap I saw. I was coaching a lot. Um, then I was teaching at uh, like public schools. Uh, and so I was trying to personally close the gap so that I could just focus on improv. And the school system at the time uh, for improv was like classes with 16 people and one show, or you could form your own team, uh, and practice all the time, but you might not be guaranteed a show. Uh, so I just kind of, uh, merged those two ideas together. And so the classes had fewer people in them and you had practices and shows consistently just so you get more reps in. Cause that's what I was looking for when I was improvising. Um, and you started um, you started this how many years ago? Five years ago, I think now. Uh, it's hard because I've been coaching for like 10. And then somewhere in there, I started going like, uh, do people want to come to my... Like, <laughs> I'll host a thing and I'll put together something. And then it was a little... And then people were like, yes. And then I was like, I got to give this a name. And then I got to develop more of a curriculum. So I think about five years. Nice. And I feel like, um, if I'm correct, you're the only only school doing in-person classes right now. Um, I can't confirm that, but I think so. <laughs> I appreciate uh, my Googling. That's how I discovered you um, a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, I think right now that's probably true. Uh, there's some... I'm like going to do free advertising for other people. <laughs> uh, I know that there are some like drop-in workshops, but I think I'm the only person doing in-person practices and shows. You were the first one on Google to pop up. I am the first one. I'm the first one back, uh, <laughs> racing to get back. That's yeah. pretty incredible. So it's almost like this idea you had. It was became like the perfect moment for it to explode, and things lined up. And now, like she just said, you're top billing. In a yeah, uh, it's very weird. Um, <laughs> How many people are there weird. now? Uh, I think like at any. I mean. At any given time, there's probably like 100 to 125 people like actively doing it. Um, but there's been like I kind of mark it by generations of like, oh, the first year I did it, it was like this group of people. And then like uh, then there was this group. And uh, now I'm at this place where there was people who started pre-pandemic. 
they hung in through the pandemic. I also picked up people during the pandemic because we were doing it during Zoom. And then come out in, coming out of the pandemic, it's been a lot of people who like, I just got to LA. I'm looking to do improv or I just want to get out of my house. Uh, <laughs> so it's like a whole new generation. It was weird That's coming awesome. back on stage uh, that first show after not doing it for so long. Yeah. Like, like, do I remember how to do this? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been uh, an adjustment period for sure for a lot of people. Now, Amanda, do you know what improv is? Or before you did research um, for the show, did you know what it is? Have you been to an improv show before? I haven't. I've never been to an improv show. Okay, do you, you explain what it is? I, I mean, but I kind of get what it is but because I used to live with you and true. another yeah. improv actor. That's true. So you two together were like improv <laughs> we did all the time they were improv. it was a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. it was a lot going on and okay. i didn't really follow all the times but i so i kind of get it but please explain if you have uh, a good i guess the short version of it is like um uh you're just making up scenes on the spot uh there is no script there is no rehearsing uh there are varying different ways to do it there are short form which is like kind of games that you'd see on whose line is it anyway or whatever uh i teach long form which is the idea that like based off of a word or some sort of idea generating uh like exercise at the top of your set you're gonna create scenes around that just uh and hope that they go well uh hope that they're fun and, and it's not stand up a lot of people always go and i tell them doing a problem yeah. like great so like What's your set going to be about? And I'm like, oh, I don't know because it's it's improv. Right? Yeah, there's nothing written. Uh, I think a, I think a big part of that confusion, especially in LA, it's there's stand up venues that have the word improv in. Yes, like one true. Of the, one of the biggest ones is like the Improv, which is in multiple cities, but it's like, wait, this actually isn't improv. <laughs> yeah, no yeah that's a good point. Um, yeah, uh, the performers don't know beforehand what they're going to do any more than the audience does. So uh, it's. Yeah, it's not stand up. It's more like going to a live sporting event or whatever. And like sometimes it's like, well, that was a blowout and boring and uh, not exciting. And sometimes it's like, oh, that was really great. Uh, so it's similar. And it's on a stage. So people assume it's like theater. And it's like, it is to me more like a sporting event where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen today. It's, I'm going because there's a team I like maybe, or I know somebody who's doing it and I'm hoping that it'll be fun. So yeah, it is like a sport in the sense like there's teams and there's somewhat of a competition. Everyone wants to do their best amongst their team. Right. Uh, and you have to work together as a team to have a good show. Uh, there used to be even like cage match, which was like one team versus another team and the audience would vote. Uh, but comedy is subjective, so it's all arbitrary anyway. So there's mm. no way to be like, oh, they scored eight points. It's just like <laughs> I had a better time watching them, I guess. So <laughs> you were saying that there's no prep work and there's no uh, rehearsals in a sense when it comes to before the show. So what, is it, what does it look like behind the scenes for your team before you guys a go lot. out there? A lot. Um, yeah, uh, it is just about practicing the same way like you might have a coach run uh drills if you're on a basketball team of like and the reason i have shows and workshops and i have teams that perform every week is so that like i can go watch them perform and then sort of go like i noticed you were doing this like let's spend this practice uh working on that idea so uh if i watch a team and it's like oh they weren't listening somebody said like 
uh, welcome to my birthday. And then the other person said, like, I can't believe it's already Christmas. It's like, oh, you two weren't listening. So, like, <laughs> let's think about uh, some exercises to focus on listening. So maybe we'll sit back to back in chairs and do a scene so that you can't even look at the other person and you just have to pay attention listening to them. So it's like that a little bit of like, oh, targeted uh, drills and activities to focus right. on what so happened. So it's like a basketball team. If someone's a really good three-point shooter, but they're not vibing with their team and can't run the plays, then it's not going to come out well. And that's, yeah, exactly. You'd say uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's one of the biggest skills to develop is when people are on the stage, it's not as much like for you to be focused on yourself all the time, but really listening and co-creating something in the moment. Yes. Vi hey, vibing yeah. with the teammates as much as yeah, possible. Absolutely. And by like knowing your teammates and stuff, I feel like you get a sense of how they're going to react in certain situations. So, you know, like, oh, he's using this or she'll mostly do that. So you can sort of like hit him with something and you'll know kind of how they're going to go with that. You know, if you say like, I'm going to jump off this, you know, whatever, the car right now. You know, you know, they're not going to be like, OK, just do it. Like, you know, they're going to try to hold you back and you will play the game a bit there and stuff. <laughs> yeah. When exactly. you don't know each other, then they might. That's when it sort of gets a little like, uh, I don't know what we're doing. But I really like that comparison, like with a with a sports team. I never thought about it like mm. that, but it totally makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a like sports for people who probably don't play a lot of sports i think or <laughs> so how, but how did you go how did you go into improv in the first place um i i did theater in high school and there were always like improv warm-ups before we'd like actually rehearse for the play or whatever and i was like this is where i'm having the most fun but i didn't know there you could do anything beyond that like my i went to a small high school my college didn't really have any improv uh they did it and i went to like a couple shows but i was like unclear about it and then when i came out to la a friend just took me to a ucb show and they do great marketing where after a ucb show they'll go like and if you want to learn how to do this we have classes and i went like i can pay uh i can pay money to like get better at pretending and doing make-believe and comedy and stuff like that and that's how i started doing it uh, i just was like a fan first and they said we'll teach you how to do this and so I did. Uh, it's so sad about UCB and kind of where, and we'll touch upon that in a bit, but I actually learned improv, um, similar sort of story. I was teaching English in Vietnam. Okay. And there was an Israeli guy there that was teaching it. And um, he basically had a copy of the UCB manual um, and just did the first half. We never really got into like doing much long form. It was more short form, but mm -hmm. with, um, you know, finding base reality and doing that sort of stuff. And we just started sort of a mixed group of expats living there, just started doing improv comedy there and doing shows. Oh, wow. Movies. And that's how I got into it. Okay. And I just fell in love with it. It's such a fun way to meet people, to express yourself, to just sort of create funny ideas and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it does for most people is like the principal tenet of improv is like, yes, and. So it's just like, whatever you offer, I'm going to agree to that and add information. And I think... Once you start learning that uh, about improv, uh, you can't help but have it bleed into your real life. So then you start saying yes and to people outside of improv. And then like pretty much people develop communities and social circles and stuff around this idea because like nobody goes, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like right. uh, you go like, yeah, OK, sounds fun. Like uh, it's working in my comedy. It's working uh, for improv let's see what happens if I do it in real life. And I don't think people even think about doing it. Like I know 
uh, a big thing that a lot of improvisers have to work on is like learning how to say no in their life outside of improv uh, <laughs> to just be like, no, I don't, I'm not going to go to that karaoke bar uh, like 45 minutes away. You, you kind of yeah, become yeah. a people pleaser because your yes and is drilled in your yeah, mind so much. absolutely. Can you give me $1,000? Yes, exactly. It's yeah, like, no. yeah, and uh, let's celebrate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, hey, yeah, take my apartment. I'll just sleep on the couch. <laughs> yes, uh, and you get like rewarded with laughter on stage. And <laughs> exactly. It, so then it feels weird in life if somebody's like hey yeah can you like meet us out uh you know in the inland empire for a karaoke show at 1 a.m and you're like <laughs> it would feel crazy to go no exactly. uh no has never served me uh in Ex an improv scene that's yeah. interesting it's like operant conditioning in a way and has this ever happened to you where you've like you were just saying you feel like you should be saying yes more in real life because it's kind of like a philosophy right it's saying yes to the moment and adding on to the moment to create something so it's really more of a philosophy do you feel like that has bled over into your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, most... Uh, everything from, like, where I live uh, was because I met somebody in my first UCB class, and I did live in the Inland Empire, and he lived in Santa Monica, and we were making these drives to come to the theater, and it was like, yeah, I don't know, our second class together, or, like, we'd taken a full level one, and then we were started the level two, and he was like, do you want to live together? And uh, improv had me go yeah, like, yeah, uh, and I have a cat. Uh, and he was currently like, Still in a twelve-month okay. lease. Yes, and I will terminate it right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's like I still live in that apartment. He has since like moved out, but it's like I'm there because I said yes. And I had moved to California only like two years earlier, and there's no way I would have ever asked somebody I was taking a class with to live with them. Like it just didn't occur to me to be like. Oh, see if this person wants to be your roommate. But it occurred to him, and then it was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, and so, like, just saying yes to those things. And a lot of shows I've done, um, or any sort of, like, I attribute, yeah, I have a podcast, and that was somebody else that I did, uh, used to be my improv coach, and he was like, do you want to do a podcast? And it's like, yeah. And we can record at my place. Like, uh, it always comes up. It's I've been trying to get thing. him to do, um, like, all my friends that do um, improv, you do mm -hmm. stand-up. And I think improv helps people who do stand-up tremendously. Not the other way around, though. Doing stand-up does not help you do improv, I find. Because it just makes you sort of, like, steal the attention and try to crack jokes at the expense of your improvisers. Mm -hmm. I, but in terms of helping yeah. stand-up and crowd work and just be more comfortable on stage and embracing that unknown i think that's so useful. that's the biggest thing is just stepping into that role on stage and getting comfortable in that environment so i i think it probably uh if you do improv first it's going to help you going that direction than if you were stand-up first 100 yeah. but i think the key is just to get comfortable and the thing i like about improv is like stand-up is a every man for himself type of sport mm -hmm. so you're up there and it feels like there's a lot of pressure to keep the audience at a certain certain level and i like how improv you can kind of it's kind of like this podcast you like take a breather in between like jokes or yeah funny types of things uh yeah i think they're they work well uh together i have i mean i do think there's a reason like there are famous uh well-paid stand-ups because like the path to getting good at that is not always fun uh like it is it weeds a lot of people out and it's like improv 
for the most part, does not pay. Uh, there is like, you know, Netflix has hundreds of stand up specials. They have one improv special like uh, but improv is generally like a fun, more fun journey. I think like I've done both and it's like, yeah, stand up is like you are on an island by yourself. You are doing open mics uh, and it's like it is not always a fun time. And not to say that improv is always fun, but it's like we once did a show that was a variety show and uh, we did an improv set and it was a soundtrack set, which meant like we were inspired by music and we were like running around and doing the like very silly, stupid stuff. And then we had a stand up come up after us and he was like, this is the first time I performed at an improv show. And he was like. I go to open mics and sit in the basement of bars and listen to people tell horrible, awful jokes. He's like, and I come to your show and you guys like put on music and ran around the stage and like danced uh, and like acted silly. He was like, I've been doing the wrong thing. Uh, But it's like that guy might end up becoming a very successful stand up because like it does train you how to write jokes. And uh, and that isn't like you can be consistently good at that every time and improv doesn't have that same level. There's like a darkness to stand up that is perpetuated and almost revered that the stand up comedian kind of s- starts out in these dark little open mic basements mm-hmm. and the audience is allowed to grill and roast and in a sense like play a part in the uh, stand up comedian's performance as a way to just rattle them a little bit and help them improve their skills ultimately but the role of the audience with improv is kind of to contribute to the ideas and spur the themes of the sketches. So it's interesting how the, the art forms are similar in a sense, but it's almost like uh, the audience plays a much different role, at least in in my mind. Amanda, have you been to in Sweden? Did you ever go to stand up shows when you were there? Not really. Never? No. What? No. I mean, when I was living in Sweden, I had a completely different life, and stand-up wasn't one part of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I cool. Mean, but I mean, Mysterious, okay, so... Cool. But didn't right, we go to a stand-up show here? No, we haven't. We, we didn't? Went to, went to no. No, I mean, like... Um, a real show. <laughs> yeah, wow. Was, uh, you I, you I did what? It was an open mic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he, he, oh. he invited him. He was like, Steve's got a big show. He's got a big show. I'm well, like, yes, well, let me get on Comedy Bureau and see where my big show is tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we well, did. I thought it was... Like, this is when I first met you. I thought you you know, you know had a big show coming. So I was telling everyone, I was like, you got to come to Steve's big show. And then you're like, oh, it's, it's an open mic. And... Uh, yeah, yeah. I it was still fun. Yeah, you were great. Have you been there, Fourth Wall on Hollywood Boulevard? E, uh, no, I have not. I walked by it and I was like, "You're not missing anything." Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think it. I think it has potential. No, it's funny. I used to go to that r- piece of real estate. It was a coffee shop, so that's where I went for a long time. And I kid you not, I'm just remembering this was years ago. I always thought like this would be interesting if i could like run a show here if this was like a comedy venue and oh, then after covid it emerged i yeah as I an mean, unemployment office pretty uh <laughs> that's so that gives me a little bit more knowledge about that place like i walked past it with somebody the other day and i was like did this pop up out of the quarantine that like a, a and it was like and we like looked in and they were, they were like setting up for an open mic and i was like yeah, I think people assume like improv, stand up, sketch, like they're so closely related. But it was like looking in that window to go like, there is a community of people who do comedy, and I know none of them or what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> like, 
it feels very close to what I'm doing, but it might as well be worlds away where I'm right. like, is this a this is a venue that popped up? Like I heard nothing about it because it doesn't. Uh, yeah, because it's not improv. I uh, think there's like you, sorry, there's a COVID rule that for every five venues that shut down, one's allowed to open up. Oh, okay, so all right. <laughs> it feels uh, you, you capitalized on one. That guy. Did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you were traveling and doing workshops, did you ever meet a guy named Adam Dow? Improviser. Uh, where would I have met him? I don't anywhere. He's like another traveling comedian. He used to be in uh, LA. Um, he's I in don't think Seattle so. now. He brought improv to India, to Mumbai about 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, and it kind of spread out through there. He was kind of one of the guys that brought it over there. Um, he's an American guy. Okay. And, um, and then I sort of grew there. And then a few people, comedians, came over here. Kanish Zerka, she studied at UCB. Um, Kenny Sebastian. Um, and a few others, I can't remember the names, but they basically did uh, India's first improv show and recorded for Amazon. Um, oh, interesting. It was one of the two, but they did the first one there. And because India is still very new to that whole concept of like, yeah. wait, what do you mean they're not rehearsing? Why the fuck am I going to pay money if they haven't rehearsed? It's like, I no, mean, that's the point. Like, I mean, right. dude, you, you could probably spread it to Sweden. I don't think okay. you got it there. It's probably there. It has I to I mean, it's probably there, but it's it probably is. really small. And, you know, and but honestly, if someone needs improv, because, like, you've been here a couple of minutes, but you already sold me on this concept. All right. I have to- <laughs> Get your credit card out right now. Great, yes. Great, great. Here's my social security. Call 222 oh, okay. <laughs> No, but the thing is, with improv, it just feels really fun. You know? I don't want to be an actress I don't want to be a stand-up Yet. comedian. I don't even want to be in front of the camera, even though I am. Hello. <laughs> I'm getting used to it. But the thing is, with improv, though, it feels like you can play. Like yeah. when you were a kid, you know? And, and also train your imagination. Because I really, I could really use that. Because I can feel myself, especially when I was back in Sweden. Everything is very, like, black and white and, you know, boxed in. But with some improv, it feels like you can, you know, think outside the box a little bit more. Well so, said. I mean, I think improv, we're going to Sweden, dude. Oh, okay. Guys, we're, Congratulations. Yeah. Wow, look at that. What are, let's awesome. go. I would love that. What are some of the introductory exercises you would do with someone who's brand new, like their first day ever doing this? Um, I basically just start with, um, uh, like, the idea of coming up with something without thinking about it uh the easiest one is just like uh i call them robot scenes and it's like great just tell me who you are and the other person in the scene you tell me who you are and it should complement the first person so if it's like if you say i'm a doctor you would say like i'm a patient right uh you wouldn't say like i'm a doctor i'm a dragon because now it's like <laughs> i don't know what's happening but that uh, could be interesting though yeah absolutely it could and be a can, game of thrones theme right right yeah. right uh and we can work up to that but if it's like doctor patient where are we uh the doctor's office great uh i'm having like my knee looked at it's like cool now just make some uh, choices that feel like a doctor would make in that situation and a patient would make. I promise you're going to make a choice that will surprise us, even though you've told me everything and it feels very like understandable. Uh, so I'll do that one. I'll do like a firing exercise where it's like, uh, you're going to fire somebody and you're going to fire them for doing something very weird. Uh, you get to pick whatever it is and their job is to explain why they were doing it. Uh, everybody improvises. We do it every day. Nobody goes through their day having it rehearsed. Uh, you might have a schedule or a routine, 
but things interrupt that schedule. Things interrupt that routine and you have to deal with it. Like you get a flat tire or um, you like uh, somebody like cuts in front of you in the grocery store unintentionally and you have to decide like, do I tap them on the shoulder? Do I let this go? Like, am I going to be thinking about it on the ride home? Like uh, you bump into somebody, you have a conversation you didn't plan on having, like everybody improvises. Um, the idea is like, you're just going to do it on stage in front of people and the best part of it is there are no stakes like uh depending on how i react to a person who cuts uh, in front of me in the grocery store or whatever it's like there might be stakes to that uh i might feel like uh, a pushover if i don't say anything it might be a weird altercation if i do say something but an improv scene you can go like hey you cut in front of me. I got a bunch of avocados. I got to go make like guacamole for a party. Uh, and it's like, none of that is true. You just made all of that up. Have as much fun with it as you want. If that makes sense. I would just be so afraid that my mind would blank. And I, I, I won't. It would, though. I don't think it would. Yeah, I, I understand the fear because a lot of times before I go up on stage, I don't really have my material all the way down. And you're like, what if I say nothing? But the part of your mind that's worrying just shuts off when you're up there and you're just kind of in that adrenaline rush state where you have to speak and say something and you'll surprise yourself whatever even comes out. Yeah. I think that is the essence of what improv is, not trying to pre-plan. Yeah. Um, and uh, you probably, everybody has like a pocket in their lives where they had to do that, where it's like, oh, teaching uh, you're improvising constantly if you're uh, teaching. Uh, if you work in the service industry, if you've waited tables or done retail, like you have had a customer who has been weird uh, and you have had to be the voice of reason in that scene to be like, okay, I'm trying to like make this work or whatever. Uh, and the idea behind improv is to say like, cool, if you identify what you think is weird about this and you get on the same page with your scene partner, now you can start writing jokes in real time like coming up with like the most fun idea for it and without a doubt you hang out with your friends you all start talking about something um and you heighten it uh you like comedically play up the idea like i taught a corporate workshop last week and somebody in the workshop was like uh did you remember to lock the office on your way out uh like half kidding and then sh the woman was like shit, I don't think I did lock the office. And then <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, she probably left the door wide open. And then someone else was like, she probably left the door open and then posted a sign that said, like, come in and take what you want. And then someone else was like, she probably put, like, estate sale up on the thing. And I was like, okay, we haven't even gotten started and you all improvised <sighs> and heightened. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you did it. You did everything we're going to do today before I even got started uh because that's what we do we like find a pattern and we explore it and like connect and have fun with have it. you ever gotten hired by a, a company to do a firing but it wasn't an exercise intervention that's funny i do not do that exercise when i do corporate I like workshops because i'm like i don't know what the rest of the day looks like, like for no, these people she's, Some, uh, she's really canned like, <laughs> yeah 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 weird. we're actually firing get the, her later get the paperwork at hr exactly uh yeah i do not do that exercise because it's like I don't know. One of you might have to fire someone else tomorrow. Uh, yeah. It'd be a memorable experience for the Terminator. Yeah, there you employee. go. Definitely. Yeah, I yeah, get yeah. fired uh, via improv I practiced sketch, getting actually. fired, and then I actually got fired. Yeah. 
that would be awesome everyone's just improv signing <laughs> the release forms <laughs> she's improv crying oh my god she's improv that's packing your desk how can we heighten it uh, yeah. let's, um, yeah. let's take, pack your bag take your computers out and your books so you, you've taught improv throughout the country and overseas mm-hmm. do you notice that the culture even um, the microcultures throughout did this you go country, to Sweden uh, no, we Jake, went to, what's going on I here? Know. I'm telling you, it's no market in Sweden. Uh, Let's bring well, hey, it that's to good Sweden. To know. Uh, no, we did Germany, uh, England, and Iceland. Oh, I want to hear about Germany. Um, because they're stiffest. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so, um, the interesting thing about Germany is there are a lot of expats there that had a like very high, um, like. Most of the people I taught uh, spoke well. Everybody I taught had to speak English because I don't know another language, so that they signed up knowing that or whatever. But there were a lot of people there who English was their first language, Um, so it had a big comedy community. Uh, um, Iceland, uh, I mean, everybody. Comedy is kind of a universal thing for the most part. Of like, yeah. uh, and you know, if you're doing stand up, it's like writing a joke. It's like, here's the premise, here's the setup, here's the punchline. You're doing the same thing in an improv scene. It's like, here's the setup, we're in a doctor's office. We just don't know what the premise is yet. But once we lock into the premise, it's just going to be hitting punchlines. Uh, but do you ever get tired of that? You're like, you're a doctor, and <laughs> you okay. do you, and fake it until you make it. Uh, go grab a coffee. Do you ever get tired? Um,. That's a uh, good question. I go through phases of like stuff that I see. Uh, I would say like with a certain amount of certainty, I can kind of tell a direction a scene's gonna go. Yeah. Within thirty seconds of like, I know where this scene is gonna be headed. Uh, it'll still surprise me in the choices that improvisers make, which is what I love about it. Is like uh, any two people who do a scene together it's going to look totally different uh, than two other people who were given the same thing. Like um, you two in a doctor's office scene is going to look different than us two doing a doctor's office scene. So that part is always surprising. But I go through phases where like a team I coached uh, the other day, one of them was like, you taught me or you coached a group I was on like six years ago and you gave a note of like, don't do silly voices. Nobody likes a silly voice. Uh, and he's like, and then I did a silly voice. And you were like, why did you do that voice? Uh, and I was like, I don't have any recollection of that at all. <laughs> it might have been a week where I was like, don't do silly voices. Because I was like, I don't even recall me having a problem with silly voices. Uh, <laughs> I so, do, though. So please, everyone who's listening, don't do silly voices. Yes, when you do improv, uh, I don't uh, like it. There you go. You um, <laughs> Good. Great. Uh, so there will be those types of things where I'm like, uh, or like after the 2016 election, it was like, I, I was like, well, I'm just going to have to see a ton of Trump scenes. Uh, yeah. And it's rare that a Trump scene is going to surprise me. Like, I kind of know the direction of it. But it's I like usually t- get... Tinder and Trump are always like the two things you'd see at open mics. Okay, like, okay there you go. Really? Okay, Trump again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like... Uh, Tinder, I can... Yeah, I can it's imagine. Like just, just, just dating apps in My general. My dating life is shit. Uh, yeah, everyone's talking story. about. It's like, oh god. But that's what we're interested in. Your dating life. It gets old though. Like I remember when, when, um, when things started opening back up and I started going to open mics and a few comedy like clubs to watch friends and stuff. Everyone was doing the same exact COVID joke, the same exact 
And it was like literally like almost verbatim, like like word for word. And I was like, oh, no more. Please, no more. That is actually true. I remember when we actually did go on stand up, Steve's stand up. We went, I feel like we went another night, didn't we? See, no, did, we did only saw Bill Steve. Burr? No. It wasn't you? No. Hmm. It was another woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, <laughs> I remember that time because the ones that was going on stage before you, they had kind of the same jokes in different forms. Yeah. You know, all was about relationships and, you know. So it's kind of yeah. the same. Stand-up's so. like a, cath- a cathartic art form for people's pain in, in terms of the pandemic and everything. If everyone is going through that shared type of pain and everyone decides to talk about it, then it's going to get redundant in some ways. I think dating is also something that everyone is plagued by in some sense. I feel like that's why those two topics pop yeah. up or, I mean, relationships is also easy to relate to. So yeah. I kind of yeah. get it. I mean, you and me, we... We did like a scene that where everything a was oh yeah was was completely <laughs> a scene a porno completely improvised and <laughs> so completely improvised. Steve grabbed a camera and he's like, um, "Let's just film. The lighting's good." And I was like, "All right, fine." And then I was like to Amanda, "I was like, just follow my lead." She's like, "I don't know what we're doing." And, and I'm, we, yeah, I, wasn't I know sure if it was nothing funny about these or dramatic. Things. We went dramatic with it. Um, it's called "Welcome to LA." You did a great job in it. Thank and you. I kind of sort of fed him the information. I was like, we broke up a month ago. Like, you know, you're trying to establish right, right. that okay. base reality. Great, great, great. And yeah. then uh, we go through this whole thing about like how I left to go find myself. And I came back and she was like dating my best friend. And the other guy was not listening to what no, was going on. No, not at all. And he just pops in there and he's like, <laughs> hey, man, nice to meet you. And I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. You're my best friend. He's like. Why are you being so weird? And I was like, oh, God. You're my best friend who's banging my girl. I was like, what's up, Bernice? To meet you. He's like, nice to meet you. Shut the fuck up. Right, right, right. But, yeah, so I thought about that. That was improv, right? That was Kinda. improv, yeah. It wasn't improv comedy, but it was improv. Yeah. 100%. And you did a great job doing it. So I think you would actually be good. Yeah, if I didn't have st- stage fright. You can get over that. The first time fright. I did improv, I was profusely sweating. It was a sh- We were in, in Vietnam with uh, the Israeli guy, Leon, and the team. And I couldn't stop profusely just sweating. And he's like, yes, there's a giraffe. And I was like, yes. And uh, and I was just I was giggling out of nervousness and laughter and like sweating. Yeah, I but thought that about goes that. Away. I would also giggle. It's okay. For everything. And it's also okay. think about my Swedish pronunciation that, I'm, that I, can't, I can't even pronounce. You sound pretty American. Name. No, I don't. Yeah, my mom said she doesn't even sound Swedish. Uh, she doesn't even Hello. until she starts talking about. <laughs> her in our last episode we had a so we had a sex uh a sex doctor on and okay yeah. she was talking about uh the clitoris and amanda's like oh um we yes i know that word in in, in my language and then she's like trying to find the word and she says it and what say it again clitoris <laughs> like oh same right word. yeah it's like the same but the thing is because you said Brian said, no, it's okay. You can say it. I'm like, yes, I know I can say it, but I, I don't know what word it is. That's the problem. <laughs> right, and okay. then I said, clitoris. <laughs> Great. You, you love that word. It, just, it was, just, it was, a, it was yeah. a funny moment. Yeah. That's the first Swedish word I've learned. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. It's a very useful one, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's right after the. <laughs> the two most popular yeah. words over there. Good day, yeah. clitoris. Are you also acting as well? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I'll do it if somebody's like, we're doing like there's uh, a dozen, I'm sure, videos that I'm in somewhere on the Internet uh, for different people's like projects or whatever. But I don't. Uh, yeah, I always did improv just like 
I I truly never thought it was going to be something that uh, would be how I like make my living. I was just doing it because it was fun. Like mm -hmm. uh, I never had like, oh, I'll do improv and that'll get me stage ready to do SNL auditions or whatever. It was just like, I'm just having fun. So um, what is the uh, career path if there there is one uh, for an improv I mean, actor? Uh, writing is primarily where I spend my time um, uh, outside of like teaching improv and stuff like that. So I do think improv is helpful for... Uh, making you a better writer uh also be being better in a room uh if you're planning to like be in a writer's room because it is like all right you're not going to be the person in the room is like no that doesn't work that sucks or whatever you get to be the person who's like oh great idea and what if we did this with it or whatever uh and so you just wrote it really helpful yeah that's right i wrote a book uh Can we i talk wrote a bit about like what that was about the inspiration for it? uh yeah it's uh i mean everything is one degree removed from improv in my life it feels like uh but we did a tour an improv podcast tour uh across the united states we took an amtrak train from los angeles to new york and we taught workshops and did live shows along the way and so i wrote about that experience um because it was a transitional experience also in my personal life so it's like a memoir uh about uh travel and improv and identity and stuff like that so the idea was like, I've always wanted to write a book. This felt like the easiest way to do it because I could just be like, chapter one, day one. Uh, <laughs> and that gave me like the bones for it. So that was the, I did that in 2017 and the book came out uh, this year. So, wow. Um, yeah. It's Congratulations to Thanks. the book. Great. Thank you. And, and where so can we find it? If you can find it, it anywhere. Uh, if you're in Los Angeles, it's at Book Soup and uh, Skylight Books, Roman Books in Pasadena, uh, but it's also uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, uh, awesome. all those big places. So you yeah. did improv with the passengers. So you're... Oh no! Uh, um, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Would, uh, I wasn't even making. A I would have got thrown no, off now, the train. Now, now I get what you're saying. You stopped in each city and did it. Yeah. For some so, reason, I imagine like some kind of like murder mystery type of that's improv. a great like, idea. going on uh, like in the train that would have been amazing yeah i was uh, like that sounds good yeah that i think track passengers would love that where it's like you pay another ten dollars on your fare and you can just yeah a like, little murder on class. the orient express or something yeah that, that's what i yeah. was imagining I was like who got that's killed? a great idea honestly <laughs> uh like live theater if on you need a train. A, if you want to do a second book i think yeah uh you're like jack kerouac didn't he drive back and forth across the country and write about his travels? yeah exactly yeah there's a travels with charlie is a john steinbeck book that i sort of used as um inspiration uh yeah um yeah we'd stop in cities teach a workshop do a live show for the podcast uh so we did like san antonio and austin and chicago and philly and uh new york obviously and maricopa and uh dc i think there were like now i want to say nine stops um yeah so we'd teach like a one-day workshop do a live show get back on the train Go to the next city. How long did that last for? Uh, that was like 17 days or something like that. The, wow. we, there was the Del Close Marathon in New York, which is like a, used to be a big long form 48 hour improv event. Uh, so that was our destination. It's like we got there, did a live show at that. Was this the last one that was in New York? Uh, you know, was it? I think it might have been. I was at that one. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah there you go. Uh, it's huge, so it would uh, 
likely that we didn't see each other or know yeah, no. each other. But uh, we'll people know were each like, other in a few years. See <laughs> I'll see you in a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good luck on the book. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I want to jump on that improv train, though. Can we just create that? <laughs> it's a great that. idea. It is uh, honestly a great idea. Four people on I mean, the couch they, and a train. They do do long form on cruise ships. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I, I can know imagine. a lot of improvisers who like did that for a summer or whatever, where it's like, oh, yeah, you just like are on a carnival cruise doing the entertainment in the evening. I mean, something that I know about improv also is because one of my favorite TV shows bojack horseman on netflix if you haven't seen it you have to watch it they did an entire episode on improv comedy yeah about ucb oh really i mean they go to that bird uh, that bar called what's the bar called i don't remember i just uh, know it, it turns birds? out to a cult yeah. and they kill each other and stuff I, it might even be called birds in bojack bojack but it is like that's birds uh they do that um i mean it's, it's probably even funnier if you know improv yeah, since it before is like very much skewering uh, um, long form improv so yeah. I, i'm just thinking about that and it just turns into a cult and, yeah and that's uh, pretty accurate yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they push you away from your family and <laughs> drag you in a little bit i mean i do like i left a wedding to go to an improv audition like Ew. and then i like was talking to somebody about it Oh, and then I know somebody else who like flew back early from their dad's funeral for an improv audition. I know wow. somebody else who was like, I had to turn down being in a wedding for an improv audition. Was it's this like, to get on the house teams for you? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a little culty. Uh, <laughs> or like has that, that. Uh, can be. So Did the it? way in uh, maybe the 90s and early 2000s, which uh, spurred a lot of the big improv actors of today, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, is there still that uh, high regard for the uh i guess the farm league system so to speak of improv does that still exist like it's still churning out big stars or is the closure of ucb and second city and the other institutions is that telling of a kind of shift of where it's going that's a good question i do think like i witnessed sort of the burst of the bubble uh because when i moved out here and started taking classes it was like they had uh two theaters in new york and one theater in la and then uh, then they opened a second theater in L.A. And then they had the training center. And then there was talk about a UCB Austin and a UCB uh, in London. Uh, and it was like getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and IO, uh, which is another one in Chicago, like opened a brand new building. And new theaters started popping up around here, like the Ruby and the Pack. And it was like, oh, this is getting huge. And then much like the stand-up boom or whatever, uh, it popped. Uh, so... It yeah, uh, there are people that I that I've seen get on to Saturday Night Live or make their way through improv or uh, HBO's the other two. Um, uh, the most recent Paranormal Activity has a improviser friend of mine in there that he got through improvising. Hmm. Um, I think it's still uh, recommended by agents and it stuff. It is for yeah. There you go. All all the acting agents are like yeah, we want to see you either have like. All the levels of growlings or UCB. And like, yeah. But yeah, but they're all online now. Like, doesn't matter. They want to see that. I'm like, I'm like, well, no, I'm gonna do this one that's in person. Like, we haven't heard of them though. Like, let us yeah. know how it is. And great. There is that sort of pressure to um, just to have that name on the resume, UCB growlings, and that's sort yeah. of like a accreditation, if you will. Yeah, and I think it'll annoying, always though. be. I mean, it always is helpful. Uh, 
to have. I don't know if it'll carry that same sort of weight yeah. uh, moving forward. But because they they're we'll shifting see. to a nonprofit format now, is that right? UCB. Uh, I mean, I, that's what I've heard. I don't have like uh, official confirmation, but I think that is the direction they're going. Yeah. Sad. Sad they're all stepping away. Yeah. Well, I think like uh, he's even, like more more for me. Uh, it is sort <laughs> of like a, yeah. It's true. It's an amazing thing to happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is very weird. It's a wild thing. We go back to Jake's apartment. I and noticed Polar's there was just a, like locked in there. Like, <laughs> what is that? Like, like, it's weird. There was a fire in that building right after I saw you. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gasoline. On uh, <laughs> what a crazy uh, <laughs> way my life would have turned out. Um, <laughs> I have to be the only person teaching long form improv. Uh, mm, no, I don't think. I mean, they'll always be. Uh, comedy is like alternative and like. UCB used to be the alternative improv theater, and then it became sort of like the standard, and then other theaters started popping up around, and someone else will then become the standard, and then they'll always be like an alternative to the... like Because comedy, I think, is often a response to the norm. like mm. it, Which is why I think, like... Yeah, it's a, it is a younger generation's always like response to whatever the accepted thing is. It's really tough to be somebody like uh steve martin or chevy chase or eddie murphy and continue to be like comedically relevant because it's like you've been you're the standard like uh you have set the new sort of norm someone else is going to come along and subvert that norm like that's kind yeah. of what comedy is about do you feel like the kids nowadays or high school middle school age kids with tiktok they're kind of getting that performance and expression out already so it's kind of pushed improv institutions oh, to the wow. side in a bit because nowadays like growing up we didn't we weren't making content in middle school we didn't right. have those uh cameras in our pockets and our ability to do that but now tiktok it's become part of the culture part of the everyday life of being a kid being a high schooler yeah that's fascinating um uh, yeah i don't know i mean i often am like i loved stand up so much growing up and it's like god if there was a thing like netflix around where they were like we're gonna release a new stand-up special every week as like a teenager, I, that would have been my dream. Uh, it was like we would find three or four and that would be all you'd listen to forever. So the idea of having that much exposure to it, I think, is probably going to change the way people think about comedy and grow up and uh, get exposed to it. And like, yeah, being able to create your own. Uh, I think improv, I, I mostly see people, yeah, come to improv for any number of reasons, like getting out of my shell or uh, because my rep said I needed to do it or uh, I just found it funny. But I see the reason people stick with it is like I have teams that I've been coaching for like three or four years. Like it's uh, as an adult, it is an excuse to say like for these two hours a week, I get to goof around mm. like that is my like I just get to laugh with my friends like practicing improv was one of my favorite things in the world to do because it was like, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm setting aside these two hours to just try and be funny, to just have the funniest people I can think of make me laugh. Like, and I think that's what keeps people around who decide to stay around is like, it's hard to beat that. It's great. It's that community aspect. I think one yeah. of the reasons, like in Vietnam, it was such a eclectic group of people that we're all doing it. There would be teachers, people at the U.S. Embassy doing it. Vietnamese people and everyone's sort of coming together just to create comedy and have fun. Yeah. You know, it's one thing we could all sort of agree on was laughter. 
and then going out after having a drink and then talking about the show, what worked, what didn't work. And it was that just that community that forms around improv, which I think is so great. Yeah. Don't, well don't you think it would be beneficial to have some kind of like court mandated improv class? I know somebody has to go to like <laughs> community service or something, but it could be a sketch. Improv can be so um, healing in a way where someone can find themselves. And I feel like it could be in- an interesting thing if we utilize the arts incorporated more into our, so to speak, like punishments for well, br- breaking the law. They've done this. I'm pretty sure they did. Somebody went around teaching improv classes uh, in a prison. In, yeah, in prisons. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's not too different than the cathartic experience of like. I think stand up is a little bit like therapy. Uh, you know that you were saying, and I don't think improv is that different. Like I have seen it. People who like, oh, I'm going to get attention by being like shocking or surprising or whatever, and it's like they take a couple improv classes, and it's like you learn you're actually going to get more attention or more positive feedback by like supporting someone else's idea, not sort of uh, going like, I'm going to blow that idea up. It's like, uh, and I think it, yeah, it does a lot for people. Like you're saying that someone's idea has value. You're saying that your scene partner, uh, you need them. Uh, the character they're playing has worth. Uh, and it's like, you really learn a lot about like what it says to sort of like respect somebody and value them and like give their idea credit because that's all anybody wants to do is be heard anyways right like actually yeah, heard exactly. and listen to and that yeah. will actually heal someone prevent them from committing more crimes theoretically than cleaning up the trash on the side of the road the trash needs to be cleaned up but are you ready to improvise in front of an audience to purge that <laughs> hurt from within Great. I love you know that. I mean? That feels and like I heard it should be on the front of the pamphlet. In prison, they can end a scene just by shanking someone. They yeah. don't even need to do the... Yeah, scene's over. Start running around a the hard chair. hard denial. There's no yes and in that. So you were saying in India, uh, there's already a Netflix special, and improv is a pretty big deal there. Why do you think culturally in the United States, it kind of goes on the back burner? Well, maybe we'll do a Who's Lines anyway. Maybe we'll do an HBO show, but it's not a... Netflix isn't giving it as much attention as it is scripted, but what's well, so new over there? So like even stand up comedy, like I would be joking, like half my friends, it's like you get a Netflix special and you get a Netflix special because Disney, literally Disney, Amazon, uh, <laughs> and Netflix are all competing for content right now, and so all just pumping so much money in there, and so they're just giving all these new like new age comedians a platform to do stuff. I mean, that's the reason why I was able to get so much acting work there is just doing so many like British recreation stories They're like we need British officers, you know, and I'm like, hey, sign, sign me up. Um, but it's just because they're all competing for content right now. Um, and it's also very fresh and new. And it's a way to sort of speak about the problems in India with and without getting in trouble. Sort of. I don't know if it, do you know Veer Das, the comedian? Mm-mm. He's an uh, Indian comedian, but he's, um, he's he just did a show at the Kennedy Center in America. Um, and there's a lot of controversy because he did this little speech called the, the two Indias, uh, where he talked about like the good stuff and the bad stuff about India. And it was, it was pretty good. And he was bringing up a lot of points there. Like India is a place where we, you know, we celebrate being vegetarian and we murder our farmers at nighttime and stuff. And like sort of these points. And, um, now they're trying to basically threaten and put him in jail. He's saying he went to America to spread hate against India. And so there's this crackdown now on all comedians across India, which is scary. But that is the role of the comedian, ultimately. It's to be that voice exactly. us- using humor to put a put society and culture under a, a microscope so people can decide, is this the world we want to live in? And I feel like that is the role. And we're lucky in America, for the most part, we can speak freely, but it's a bit concerning in other 
nations, I'm sure in China, you wouldn't be able to have an improv team. <laughs> Can imagine being a stand-up comic in a... We even doing it when we were doing improv in Vietnam. It was a little bit like we had someone on our team who we sort of like we knew they like worked for the government. Really? <laughs> I mean, a spy? Not a spy. I, I remember that. Why out. is this guy always in a suit? <laughs> but like we kind of knew even when we Who organized a TEDx event, we had someone helping us out who worked for the government to make sure we were talking. All the all of our speakers we had for the TEDx event were like vetted and weren't going to say anything that was mm. anti-communistic or like too. It's like, the, yeah. I mean, I get it. It's like extent, the equivalent of a SAG representative here. It's <laughs> like, why do you keep looking at the craft services? It's like, isn't McCarthyism was when they were making sure that there wasn't, I'm going to fucking butcher this. I'm already forgetting this. McCarthyism is <laughs> when- We people on a couch where we make up facts. This is today's episode's history lesson. Dude. I don't know what I'm saying, but I've already started the sentence. McCarthyism <laughs> was when- <laughs> they made sure there wasn't communism going on in Hollywood. Improv. An improv. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They no more sharing no. the stage. Um, yeah, it was that. Uh, I think you're right. As far as I recall, is like the idea that they were accusing people of being communists and developing a list and not really having evidence of it. And that's the reason that Charlie Chaplin, I believe, uh, left the United States. Really? That's why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because he was like, I don't need to be accused by my government of what my political beliefs are. Well, there was something in the 70s, I forgot what it was called, where they were, um, the government was investing in all these Hollywood movies to sort of like spread propaganda. What was that called? You don't talk oh, about I that? don't know. It's called Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah. Still- there was some sort of thing in the, in the 70s, and they said they stopped it, but I forgot what it was called. Fun in the next episode. Yeah, we'll okay, never well, heard yeah, that again. <laughs> well, I saw in one movie that the not to go too far in this direction, but the CIA does play a part in like the media and for like some open reasons, like how do like NCIS or CSI, they'll get that kind of like Intel on how things actually work. And then I've also have heard, I saw in a documentary in some other places that the CIA has a hand in, uh, what things are allowed to be depicted and kind of shaping like the narrative mm, of the, okay. me- the Hollywood media export Dude, in general. But yeah, but when it comes to like exporting, Sorry, sidetrack again, but like coming from a different country, huh. growing up with American movies and Americanized mm. a view of America that is so glorified that it's crazy. And then you come here and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. You know, I, I mean, I love America. Yeah. Don't deport me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I love it. That's true, though, because even Disney is, uh, there was a lot of propaganda and that was kind of, they were one of the pioneers of animation and just a lot of children's upbringing that played a even probably in sweden you guys saw the disney movies and that went hand in hand with a u.s hollywood export well, oh, it yeah. makes sense i mean if you're making movies about like, how much like america sucks or how much a country sucks they're not going to want to be pu- pushing but, that but everywhere the thing like, is, but that's the funny part because in, <laughs> in swedish culture we do that we do but you know like Crush your own country a little What's bit. What's the word where like, you don't share praise? You're not supposed to talk about your own praise. There's a word for that. Clitoris. In, <laughs> in Sweden, there's not like this thing way. where like musicians, actors, like they don't want to put the attention on them and they don't want to take that. I was watching a documentary um, about ABBA and all this and like everyone sort of underplays themselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have this word in Sweden that is called lagom. Yes, that one. Yeah, because yes, yes. and that means and that is our culture, basically. It's in Sweden you are not to be too much you're not allowed to be too much or too little which means that if you come to me and say like oh i work out every day 
in Sweden that would be like, no, wait, that's way too much. Why do you work out that much? <laughs> to do but, it that much or to talk about it? Or to, to do it. Okay. And then if you say like, oh, I never work out, I would be like, no, you have to work out. But if you told a Swede like, I work I out work three out, days a week. Yeah, kind of three, two, two, three times a week. A Swede would be like, yeah, that's slogan. You know, so it's like the sweet spot. And it's also like you would said. I, I would, would I lie about it? Like if I actually worked out five, I would tell you three to sound more but modest. But like no one does that in Sweden. There's not as much competition amongst the people, whereas things are kind of taken to more of an extreme. No, no. But I this mean, is like it's a part really? of, yeah, because it's a part of our culture, Deleting which means their that Pro credit. it doesn't mean. I didn't do Titanic. I didn't. I didn't. It doesn't matter like if you're the best in Sweden on something because because of this logom kind of thing you're not supposed to be better at, at something. So you're like... I love that. You know? So, but, cool. but you're not supposed to be, you know, worse than anyone else either. So you cannot complain don't about it. Don't suck. Don't so overshoot. Exactly. You can't say like, oh, I'm great at this. Because a Swede would be like, okay. Got but it. if you said like, I'm the worst at that, people would be feeling a little bit uncomfortable because you don't say that you're the worst either. So you're always like in I'm this mediocre. middle. <laughs> that's great that. that's great i mean that, it's a little that's bit weird so being here in america where people are because that's it's also in sweden yeah. we don't if you have money we just don't show show it like everyone drives kind of the same cars okay you know i've never seen like a lamborghini or like something that would draw attention that would be in America, when you don't have money, you take loans out to show you have money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love America. Don't deport me. <laughs> Why do you think the culture there developed in that way? When I mean, to be fair, like it's a different country when it comes to both like healthcare is free, uh, education is free. We're a small country. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole different conversation. But yeah. Would you ever want to live abroad, Jake? In Sweden, uh, Sweden sounds great. Uh, Let's go. Let's bring uh, improv. Mediocre improv teacher. Uh, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Uh, um, yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I ever will. Uh, it, I, I love Los Angeles. It's hard to beat the weather and everything else. Uh, and I made it through the pandemic, which uh, eliminated most of the reasons I like living here. So, like, I don't think I'm gonna leave. Uh, but that is an appealing idea or at least like um i did like teaching improv abroad and could see sort of like the thing we learned about doing the tours is like oh we should probably go to fewer places and stay there for that stay there longer as mm -hmm. opposed to going to more places for a shorter amount of time but yeah i'd live abroad seems nice um but where here. were you from originally not la uh not la colorado Oh, that's nice, though. Colorado has beautiful nature. Yeah, it's great. Aren't you going there next week? No, I'm going to Oregon oh. next week. But that's a little beautiful. Yeah, so I hope so. Never been. I mean, but I've I've been to Colorado Boulder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Boulder's also, great. And also, I don't know, what's the, like, the biggest city? Denver? Yes, I've okay. been there, too. Great. Denver's <laughs> oh great, too. I don't remember. Does Boulder have a big improv scene? I don't know. Uh, I I know a lot of improvisers from Denver and the Colorado area, but they live out here now, so I don't know. Uh, Did you move because of improv or because of the weather? Um, I moved because, yeah, I just wanted to l l live in Southern California and Los Angeles seemed nice. And I had some family in San Diego and a friend in LA. So I was like, well, that's enough of like a stepping stone to at least be like, 
hi, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> I'm not totally alone. So, um, but yeah, improv came after the fact. It's big in Seattle, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's growing everywhere. Like that was the thing is like, I thought now it's in more places. I don't know if it's as important as it used to be, but everywhere, everywhere I've been, uh, pretty much like has some version of a little scene, uh, which is cool. And do you I think like that. the the future is going to stay on Zoom even when society's opened up? It's still going to be something in terms of the the education of it. And I think like yeah, it's cool that people who didn't have access have access to it now. Like I think there will always be a market for that, and I think you can do some really cool stuff. Uh, I mean, our podcast is essentially that was an easy transition to do it on Zoom because our improv podcast is like. The audience can't see you, so you've got to figure out a way to do everything by talking about it or describing it. Um, so the Zoom transition was not that difficult. Uh, I enjoyed doing it over Zoom. I just did not enjoy doing it eight hours a day over Zoom. But mm. I think there'll always be a market. So for when it. you're so you do improv on your podcast, which is just audio, you can't see the other people you're improvising yeah. with. Uh, we can see each other, but the audience can't. So if got I was it, like, oh. take that, they wouldn't know what the hell. So I have to be like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's the coffee you ordered or whatever. Was it an, adju- an adjustment learning how to do it on Zoom? Like, do you take a few steps back away from your computer? So you have a like, range um, of I, I think some people teach it that way, but I... Uh, taught it closer to how we did it on the podcast, which is like, if you need to describe something, say like, we see I open up the window and sneak in or whatever. And then it's like, uh, I'm dressed in a uh, Santa outfit. And then it's like, ho, ho, ho. And it's like, cool. You're sort of describing it for the audience. And then my scene partner might go like, yeah, your foot's in the chimney. Uh, Our fireplace is on. And then it's like, okay. Uh, So you just have to be more clear and explicit. But I'm sorry, uh, like, side question. Like, do you ever yeah. get caught in that mode? Like, the improv mode? So you can't caught? really stop. Caught. Like, you get caught in it. Oh. So you're like, you can't really stop, stop yourself. Yeah, so you're oh, just I like... I do Does that it, a lot. You, I'll just you start, definitely do. I, yeah, you do. I enjoy, you don't do this? Like, if I have, like, ever with a group of new group of people, I'll just start doing improv with them? Even if they're not Dude, improvising? When, no. Uh, you don't do that? No, not like, at all. I'm like, we're going to rob this place or whatever. And uh, some people are like, what? Uh, other people are like, yeah, that's, 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 that's the case. That, I remember that with you and the other improv actor because it was improv 24 <laughs> I didn't know their real names. I didn't know like there what they actually did. I was like, dude, I don't know what they're talking about. So I could never take you seriously. Uh, that's so very I'm funny. very happy that Steve moved in because now at least you're there's like, a balance. There's a balance to it. Yeah, a little bit. You uh, do do that a lot, but I feel like it's good because it makes things fun and spontaneous. And even if it started off as like a fake scenario, it kind of becomes a reality. Hey, let's go. Let's go run down the street. It's like, is it a scene? Or are we about to go sprint down? <laughs> do we gotta like, go do okay. something? I find I meet the best people who can sort of yes end it out without me having to be like, well, let's do improv now. If I just go into it and then mm. they respond, I'm like, oh, we're gonna vibe well. Like it, we're, we're this is gonna be fun, you know? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm sure. I mean, everybody I hang out with is an improviser, and like, but, uh, it's what I do for a living. So it it has shifted into like. If I'm hanging out with a bunch of improvisers, we're probably not improvising because it's like, oh, we're off the clock now. Uh, I get it. It's so more it like a profession. Like, yeah, a less of a thing. So um, and I try hard not to like 
put it on my friends like back home when I go to Colorado of being like, your L.A. friend is back in town. He's going to make some jokes in your living room. They're like, shut the fuck up, man. Uh, so, um, so you don't get caught in like the teaching role either. You're like, you're in a room oh my God, no. right now. Uh, yeah. Anytime I like when I taught at public schools, uh, my like coworkers or other teachers would be like, you do improv? We had no idea. And I was like, great. Look, what? What kind of like uh, impression would I have left on you if you were like, if I think that guy does <laughs> comedy <imp> <laughs> uh, outside of here because he keeps busted into our room like saying crazy shit or whatever. What were you I teaching like, when you were teaching? Uh, I taught special education. Um, uh, I started uh, grades like seven through 12. I did that uh, for about five years and then I did uh, K through two uh for about five years gotcha i would when i was teaching esl i incorporated a lot of uh short form improv games yeah so like a uh, zip zap soap i would change it to like apple right so it'd be like ah pull at, like so they're yeah, learning yeah, pronunciation yeah. i don't i'm not following is like, this improv he was, <laughs> yeah. te he was teaching them english though when i was teaching them no, english. like yeah like yeah. four-year-olds <laughs> And they're the best. Like four year olds, yeah. like they'll have fun with it. They'll like get super creative. It's the twelve year olds. They're like, there is no slide in this room, teacher. And you're like, I know we're we're creating, we're making it up. Like, I know. Now can you put deodorant on for the third time? <laughs> <laughs> but um, cool. I think that we just hit an hour. I think so. Where to wrap it up? Uh, where do you see We Improv going? Do you have a vision for it, or are you just kind of going with the flow and? Um. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I, I'm sort of of the mindset right now of like, uh, I like the size of it. I'd like it to be, I want everybody to have access to it and an opportunity to do it. But uh, in terms of like scaling up, I like keeping it sort of like small batch um, uh, that it's like uh, you have as much time and opportunity to learn and practice and grow as you like. Um, I don't really have an interest in sort of having any kind of like auditions uh, or anything that's going to put people in their head. Uh, it's just about like if you show up, you're supportive, uh, you're persistent, um, you can go as far as you want. Uh, so I'm trying to sort of like keep it uh, in like this is a relatively small community. Um, I get new people coming in every day, which is great. Uh, but just creating a space where people feel comfortable and have fun and uh, get to like do it for whatever reason they want and don't feel that there is a level of competition to it. Um, yeah, I just want to like continue to hone a space uh, that feels like uh, welcoming and inviting and uh, an opportunity for people to get better at it and have fun doing it. And what would you say to someone who is having trouble not saying yes to things in life because of too much uh, info. I think like start small. Uh, Little no's here and there and just build up the fuck no's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, start small. Uh, it usually comes like there's probably a reason you're feeling whatever way you're feeling and it's like listen to that. Um, but you don't have to like shut anything down. Uh, th I mean, they are conflicting ideas in improv. Like, you should never have to do anything you don't feel comfortable doing. You can always leave the scene. Uh, and then the flip side of that is, like, uh, like, be okay with the idea of, like, saying yes to something where you don't know where it's going to go. Like, it is okay, but you've got to do those in gradual steps. And the mm. 
the responsibility of a workshop or a team or a coach or a teacher is to make people feel safe to take those risks. Uh, I think it's very easy for certain populations and certain demographics to be like, yes, and everything has ever uh, always worked out for me. Uh, I'm white, middle class, affluent, uh, a male. Like, I'm going to say yes to everything that's been offered to me, uh, where somebody else might be like, eh, that's actually bit me in the ass a lot. Like, I don't know if I necessarily feel comfortable saying yes to this idea. So creating a space where it's like all improvisers get to play characters and all characters are safe to say yes and explore something. Yes. Cool. Do, do you do private lessons? <laughs> uh, Man, why did you say that like no. that? <laughs> I, I thought about it. I was like, that might sound sexual, but that was not my plan. I just thought for us guys. Oh, all right, right, right. Um, yeah, I'm always uh, uh, yes, and there's always opportunities. <laughs> I mean, he can only say yes, there and. You go. So yeah, like, yeah. For, cla- for people question. that are listening or watching this, uh, where can they go to find <laughs> classes? You also teach screenwriting as well? or That's right. Um, yeah. Uh, if weimprov.net has all the improv uh, uh, classes, workshops, things like that. Um, and then uh, I work through the Ben Axelrad pilot writing uh, school. Um, and that, that's the first on Google. I think if you type pilot writing, uh, it's all on the internet. Jake Jabor, uh, I haven't scrubbed anything, uh, which is probably not great, but uh, everything I have is up there. Cool. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Thank you. Okay, guys. See you next week. Peace.